everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight kids, ages 16 to 30, Nana to seven, and veteran homeschooling mom of over 25 years. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler and my most recent publication, The Four Hour School Day, which was published by Zondervan. It came out June 29th. The Four Hour School Day um, is really about how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. And I am getting so much amazing positive feedback. I really would encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. And if you've already checked it out, please share it with your friends and leave a review if you can with your favorite bookseller. Um, if you ha- if you don't have the book yet, it's widely available and you should be able to find it at your favorite bookseller. I'm always encouraging parents and families and people, if you're going to buy something, try to buy it from a small business. So if you have a local bookstore that might be carrying it, I'd encourage you to get it there. We love to support small businesses. Um, this book is also available as an audiobook for those of you who like to keep your hands busy and listen at the same time. Uh, I actually got to choose the narrator, the person who's going to read the book, because they unfortunately don't let the author do it. I was kind of bummed about that. But I did choose someone who has a voice that I thought was most like mine, and my husband agreed. And uh, so funny story, one mom told me I knew as soon as I heard that voice that it was you. And I said, actually, it wasn't me. And she said, I'm so embarrassed. I said, don't be. That means I made a good choice because that was the goal to pick somebody who sounded the most like me. So if you love audiobooks, you are going to love the narrator um, who read through my book. So go and check that out. The podcast, you guys, has been growing like crazy. We're nearing 600,000 downloads. It's amazing what a little plotting and faithfulness can do. But moms, you all know that, right? Because that's what you're doing right now with your kids. Um, But honestly, the podcast would not be successful without you. Um, So many faithful listeners, so many of you share the podcast with your friends. I would appreciate if you just continue to do that, not to get my name out there, but because there are uh, so many moms out there and families out there who need encouragement. And that's what I want to provide. It's just encouragement and uh, the ability to speak life into more families. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I did a couple of podcasts a while back sharing the importance of giving our kids a biblical education. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It is awesome. And it's not awesome because I did it. It's awesome because I did the introduction and I actually took a um, a message from one of the elders of our church who gave a very solid biblical case for a biblical education and just laid it all out so beautifully, far more beautifully than I ever could. So I encourage you to listen to that one. It's called The Importance of Giving Your Children a Biblical Education. And um, there was another episode that I did really close to that one that talked about simple ways to begin to teach our kids apologetics. Now, in that episode, I mentioned that I would be having a guest with me soon from uh, Foundation Worldview, and today is the day. Elizabeth Urbanowitz will be sharing seven lies that uh, your kids will believe. And I'm so excited about this because I got to hear what some of them were, and I was thinking to myself, oh my goodness, The listeners need to hear this. I need to hear this. So I'm excited to be able to bring that podcast to you today. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Elizabeth first before she um, joins us. She is a follower of Jesus. That is the most important thing. But she's also very passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. We can see the importance of that right now, can't we? 
Elizabeth holds a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from Gordon College and an MS Ed in Education from Northern Illinois University and an MA in Christian Apologetics from Biola University. Holy cow. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her professional career teaching elementary students at a Christian school. She now works full-time on developing... Um, comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. Her goal is to prepare the next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and most importantly, lifelong disciples of Jesus. Welcome, Elizabeth. We're so glad you're here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on today. It's an honor to be on with you, Dorinda. <laughs> oh, well, I am excited. Um, I met you just a couple of months ago, actually. Yes. We were at a conference together. Uh, we were actually having a speaker dinner the night before we were all supposed to be speaking for, uh, I don't know, it was two or three days. I think it was three days. And um, I had my daughter-in-law with me who does my social media. And it was the first com- homeschool conference that she'd ever been to. But it was interesting because she, as we were eating dinner, um, I remember we weren't eating yet because... Elizabeth, you didn't come in that late, but we were just sitting there talking to some friends and Elizabeth walked in and walked over to her table. And my, uh, my daughter-in-law told me later, she goes, it was the strangest thing. She walked in and I thought, I need to get to know her. (laughs) (laughs) And so evidently she reached out to you and I think you guys had lunch together and had just a really great conversation. Um, And so that's kind of how I got connected with Elizabeth. And I also talked to the person who was working at your booth while you're speaking, you have to have somebody else there. And um, I can't remember her first name. What was it? Pam, she was awesome. Yes. We had the well. Our conversation started out talking about coffee <laughs> and our love and our passion for coffee, but I eventually went over and started um, talking with her a little bit more about the materials that you had to offer. And as I was looking through them, I was just getting so excited, and I thought I've got to have Elizabeth on the podcast. <laughs> so here you are, um, getting ready to share with us um, just uh, just such an interesting. Uh, like I said, before we started, you kind of went through the seven things with me. And um, I can't wait for moms uh, and parents to start to hear this. So um, is there anything else? Like we kind of did a really quick bio. Is there any other like uh, quick flyover you'd want to do of your background? Like what made you decide to go from uh, teaching into doing this full time? Yes, that's that's a great question. And this was never like my life goal, you know, to start a company that creates right. resources to get children to think critically and biblically. But uh, God just kind of let it happen organically that I was teaching elementary students at a Christian school just outside of Chicago. Great school, you know, families who are really intentional about discipleship. I'm passionate about God's word. And so I knew my students were getting a biblically based education all day long. They were involved in church, but I still saw them just rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture. Like they knew the Bible, they knew scripture, they knew the right answers. But then when it came to all of these ideas that were confronting them, they didn't really understand how to take scripture as a lens through which to filter every idea. And so I started looking for resources just to equip these kids in my care to think critically and to stop and ask, is this true? How do I know it's true? And then to even look at the biblical worldview and say, okay, how do we know that this is true so that they have confidence in that, that it's not just, you know, like this is what Mr. Banowitz says or this is what mom or dad says, but it's like, no, this is true. And everything I found really was for high school on up. 
And I was so glad those materials existed, but I thought, man, if I'm waiting, you know, for these eight-year-olds in my class to be 15 or 16 years old before we give them this type of training, like that's so many lost years. So I just started developing resources on my own. You know, I hoped my students would, you know, think when they had conversations on the playground, you know, when they, when they pulled up YouTube and that happened, you know, they started thinking critically through everything. And the really unexpected part of this was they, they started taking hold of their education because all of a sudden they realized like, whoa, I have ownership in this. Like, I'm not just sitting here receiving information. I actually need to evaluate it. And so before I knew what was happening, people from all over the country were calling me and were like, we hear about what you're doing. Like, how can we get your resources? And I was just like, you can't like I'm a third grade teacher. I'm not a publishing house. Um, But after this happened for several years, you know, God just made it really clear that there was this need, you know, it wasn't just in my classroom, it was all over. And so um, I just really took a a big step of, of trusting in the Lord. And I left my job having no idea, you know, how I would get Mm. income or, you know, how I would even start a company to do this. But God has just been so faithful in providing every step of the way. And so now we have foundation worldview as an organization, and we have materials for parents and for teachers and pastors that they can use with children ages four to 14. And it's just such an encouragement to see how God is working in the hearts and the minds of the next generation. I love it. I love it. And as we look around, um, I think that many of us, even if we've been homeschooling for a while, have really recognized I think I need to I need to step my game up even more in making sure that my kids are getting a thoroughly biblical education and apologetics and um and, and that word can sound so intimidating, mm-hmm. especially <laughs> to a parent who's just starting out yes. homeschooling. You mean besides math and language arts and history and science, I have to teach apologetics. Yes. How do I do that? <laughs> and so that's what I love about your materials is you start with such such a basic, basic uh, from a basic place and you build from there. And so we get to learn right mm-hmm. alongside of our kids, which is so exciting because um, that's going to affect our lives as well as we're out, you know, doing our daily things and making decisions and having to face some things that we never imagined that we would have to face. Right. But we're, we're, we are able to become equipped with what we need to do it. And I really believe, you know, I believe that when God calls us to times like this, he equips us. And this is one of the ways that he does it. Mm, yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. So let's, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's start with the first of the seven lies that our kids um, will likely believe just absorbing from the culture. Yes. So the first lie, and it's really so foundational, is the lie, if I feel it, it must be true. And Mm. now we don't often hear this lie in those exact words, but that's just this assumption that's all around us in culture, you know, that our lived experience is the definition of truth. That if I feel Mm -hmm. something, that means that it's true. And, you know, culture is such an interesting thing because it's not like it's just out there. It's, it's almost like the air that we breathe, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and we don't, we don't even recognize the things sometimes that are just, you know, inadvertently coming into our homes. And so this is, this is one lie that I find is so important that we actually directly address with our children, because if we don't address it early on, our kids will just absorb this lie. And I, um, mm-hmm. in, in all of the materials that I create, truth is the first concept that we talk about, because we want our children to have a firm understanding 
that truth is objective. You know, it's we can't manipulate truth with our preferences. We can't manipulate it with our experience or with our emotions. You know, like our, our preferences and our emotions, you know, those are all, those are part of being made in God's image and they're important parts of us, but they don't, they don't define what is real. So the first activity that we have kids do a lot of times is we send them out on a little scavenger hunt or a treasure hunt. <laughs> and we we have them actually use different sets of directions um, for finding this prize that we have hidden. And some of the directions are true. They lead to the prize <laughs> and other ones don't. And so then, you know, some of the kids are really disappointed when they don't find, you know, the chocolate or whatever we have hidden for them. And then we kind of debrief and say, hmm, why didn't you find that prize? And, you know, they say, well, my directions, my directions were wrong. And then we, we connect that with the concept of truth. And another activity mm. that we do is we also ask them the question, is the truth true for everyone? And this is something that shocked me when I first did this in my classroom. I asked this question, is the truth true for everyone? And I gave each of the kids a sticky note and they had to write either yes or no on that sticky note. And then they had to write why. And I was shocked to find that the majority of the students in my class said, no, the truth is not true for everyone. And I get emails every month from parents, you know, who say, I'm so glad you had this activity because I was thinking like, oh yes, my kids know. Yes, the truth is true for everyone. And then they choose no, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, here we are proclaiming scripture as truth and proclaiming as Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And because of culture, our kids are hearing, well, this is the truth for us. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. not for everyone. So this is something I really encourage parents to do, to actually ask their kids this question and hear their thoughts. Um, and then mm -hmm. do something like that activity, like the treasure hunt, to get to the bottom of, oh, you know, it didn't matter whether or not you believed that your directions were true. If they didn't line up with what was real, they weren't true. Um, so right. this is so important to address with our kids and the earlier, the better. <laughs> Right. And you line all that out in the um, material because I've seen it. Yes. So parents, if you're listening and you're wondering, well, is that included? Yes. All those things are included in that material. So it's it's a very step-by-step user-friendly. Um, and I love that there's actually activities because kids, it, it really sends a message so loud and clear when they participate in something physical that involves all of their senses. Yes. And so I love yes. that. I love that. And this that. is something that homeschool moms, you know, have it partic in particular have a unique understanding of because they're the educators of our right. children that, you know, mm -hmm. when we want to teach our kids something that's more abstract or seems more complicated, you know, it can be scary, but if we just attach an abstract concept to something physical, our kids can grasp it so quickly. And homeschool moms know this because they teach their kids, you know, their little ones how to add. Mm -hmm. And you don't start right. off asking your child, what is five plus two? Because because five has no meaning to a child, two has no meaning to a child. What you do is you take out five blocks and two blocks and you teach the child to count by touching those blocks. And then you put them mm -hmm. together and you count seven. And eventually you attach the numbers, you know, and talking about five plus two is seven. And eventually, you know, by the time your child's in first or second grade, you can just say, what is five plus two? And they can answer seven. And it's the same way with these, you know, like spiritual, these theological and philosophical concepts. If we just attach them to something physical, like if we attach truth to a treasure hunt, our kids can pick up on them so 
quickly. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so let's talk about the second lie. Yes. The second lie is follow your heart. <laughs> and I think anyone who has ever watched a Disney movie or turned on the Disney channel is very familiar with this lie. Um, sometimes it comes in different forms. A lot of times we hear things like be true to yourself or be the mm -hmm. authentic you or you do you. And these things sound you know, very innocent or they sound, they can even sound sweet, but really the lie that's behind them is that our hearts are the most reliable guide to truth. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And we know from scripture, you know, looking in Jeremiah chapter 17, you know, God specifically mm -hmm. outlines what, what a bad idea, what a, what an unwise idea it is to trust in our hearts, you know, to trust mm. because our hearts are, are deceitful, you know, and they're wicked right. and they, you know, they don't just naturally desire the things of God. They don't naturally desire truth. Um, so we want to actually directly address this with our children so that they're aware of when they receive this message from culture, um, whether it's through conversations with others, whether it's through the media, whether it's through a book, you know, whether it's just through everyday life, you know, like think of any advertisement that you see in the grocery store, you know, somehow oh, like, yeah. somehow like, you know, meat packagers have convinced us, you know, like that buying their meat is, you know, like the authentic way to express ourselves. And it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Um, and so I found that, that when I started directly addressing this with my students, they were so quickly able to pick up on, on, on the faultiness of this. You know, when I didn't directly address it, they were kind of absorbing it. But once I spoke it out loud, they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I, I'll never forget, you know, this one student in my class, as we were talking about this phrase, you know, follow your heart. We were like, is following your heart the best way to make decisions about right and wrong. And this one student raised his hand and he was like, Miss you, I am super confused. And I said, okay, Josh, what are, what are you confused about? He's like, okay, so let's say that my heart tells me that I need a Nintendo Switch. And my dad's heart tells him that I do not need a Nintendo Switch. Like, who's right? And so I said, that's a really great question, Josh. So are you telling me that your heart is going to tell you things in a different way or tell you different things than your dad's heart is going to tell him and then other people's hearts are going to tell them. And he goes, yeah, like all the time. And I said, oh, interesting. I said, so then if our hearts tell us different things, like what's going to happen? He's like, well, my dad's going to be right. And I was like, well, why is that? And he said, well, because he's the biggest and the strongest and has the money. And I said, very interesting you know, we just talked through that and we thought, hmm, is it that the person who's the biggest and the strongest is right? Like, no, there's an actual right and there's an actual wrong. And so if we can directly address this lie with the children that God has placed in our homes, it really just deflates that lie and takes all the power away from it. Um, because then right. our children are going to be aware of when they hear this and then think, no, actually this isn't right. Like there's an actual right and there's an actual wrong. And I have to make my heart follow what <laughs> what that actual mm -hmm. right and actual wrong are. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. All right, let's let's go to the third one. Yes. Yeah, so the third one uh, is another lie that's not necessarily directly spoken, but is underlying so many things in our culture. And this lie is that love is affirming everything that I feel. And, mm. and, you know, in culture, we are constantly receiving the message that if we do not affirm and celebrate 
everything that someone else feels is part of their identity, then we're not loving this person. You know, and, and we see this all, all around in our culture, just even with the phrase, love is love. <laughs> you know, like, yes, we can agree that love is identical to love, but love is love is it doesn't really mean that in our culture. In our culture, it means if you loved me, you would allow me to do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want to. Um, right. And so what we need to do with this lie is, again, directly address it with our children and to ask them the question, what does love mean? You know, what's the definition of love? And this is really important that we get our children to think about words because so many words in our culture are being, you know, just weaponized against truth because our culture Mm -hmm. views love as a positive feeling where when we look at the definition of love biblically, you know, love is laying down our rights, you know, for another person and actually doing what is best for that other person because we're thinking of them above ourselves. Um, so this is, this is, again, this kind of ties back into that first lie that we talked about, about helping our kids understand the objective nature of truth. And so we can actually ask them, Hmm, so is love a feeling or is, is love part of truth? You know, is it something that's actually true? Um, and, and to get them to pay attention to that so that they understand that like, yes, yeah, sometimes love is accompanied by positive emotions and sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, so what I do, you know, like with the kids that God has placed in my care is we actually look at different definitions of the word love. And then we say, okay, let's look at different phrases that someone might say. How are they using the word love in this phrase? And so we'll actually look at, you know, someone saying like, you know, if my parents loved me, they wouldn't discipline me. And so then we're looking at, okay, is this person talking about love as what's best for another person? Or are they talking about love as just this feeling good so that our kids are actually (laughs) stopping and thinking about, hmm, how is this word being used and does it align with truth? And then we can tie in scripture. One, one passage I love to use with children in this is in Mark 10, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, you know, and he tells Jesus, like, I've obeyed all these commands. And Jesus knew exactly what he needed. And he he knew, you know, ahead of time, he knew before creation, you know, that this rich young ruler would walk away from him, that he would reject him. But it says in that passage that Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. You know, and Jesus knew this, but the way that Jesus loved this person, this rich young ruler was by telling him the truth of what he needed, of what was, you know, separating him, his sin, you know, from God. So this is just another one that if we can just help our kids to directly understand this lie, it really just takes all the power away from it. Mm, I love that. I love that. And, you know, part of sharing the gospel is is being willing to be uncomfortable yes. and speak the truth, yes. even if it somebody doesn't like it at first. I mean, you and I as adults, we already know that sometimes we say, we speak the truth to somebody because we love them and care about them and they don't receive it well at the right. moment. But we've always planted a seed and we've always done what... Um, we we have always 
then done what God has called us to do, and we leave it up to Him to do the work. And so that's this is sort of the beginning of our kids understanding that. And mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, isn't that what we want? We want to we want to shoot these arrows, these children out into the world, prepared to spread the gospel, yes. prepared to bring salt and light. And this is part of that process. So, thank you so much. We're gonna we're gonna end this podcast right here, and then in the next part, part two, we're gonna cover the next four. And this is going to get really, really fun, you guys, because these are great, great uh, topics to talk about. These lies are, you're just going to, you're going to hear them and you're going to go, oh, wow, I see this happening all around us. Um, And then Elizabeth is going to share, kind of expound on them. So I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Elizabeth, will you join me for a second part? Yes, I would love to. Awesome. Lord, we just thank you so much. For this time together, Lord, we thank you for these truths. I pray that as each parent listens and absorbs and takes in what's been said here today, Lord, that it would just resonate with their hearts, Lord, and that you would just cast a vision in their hearts as to how to walk out um, this teaching to their children, helping them understand um, what is truth and what is a lie and, and keeping them, protecting them from the lies of the culture by um, speaking with them, by asking them these questions and by uh, being willing to um, kind of go a little bit deeper, not just assume that our children know the truth, Lord, but to really find out for sure. And so we just pray a blessing over every family that's listening and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.